John 17, uh, we have seen Christ's prayer uh, for uh, himself in verses uh, 1 to 5, then for the disciples, 6 to 19. And today he is praying for those who will believe in him through their word. Who do you think that there is in verse 20? It's not Christ. Um, it's we're going to believe in Christ through their word. Ideas on who there is. Those who are sharing the gospel. Those who are sharing the gospel, right? It could be them. Uh, it's definitely the disciples. Obviously, the disciples are going to write the rest, and the apostles are going to write the rest of the New Testament for us. Uh, we're going to have Christ's words. We're going to have explanation of Christ's words. We have to have how to organize as a church based on what Christ has has uh, uh, taught the disciples, and uh, so those who will believe in me, and and uh, it was just mentioned that it is uh, those who are sharing the gospel. So uh, it is pretty exciting that we get to share the gospel, and the point of us sharing the gospel, according to verse twenty, is what the people will believe in Christ. So to make disciples of all nations in Matthew 8, uh, 28 is to make disciples of whom? Make disciples of Christ, not make disciples of us and do Christianity our way um, or take the gospel to the nations, but they have to look like American churches when they're in another country. That's not what missions is about. So Christ is praying uh, 2,000 years ago for those who will believe in Christ through their word and uh, likely the, the apostles word. And we're sharing the same word that Christ shared. We're sharing the same word that the apostles shared. And how do we know that we're sharing the same word? Well, we're sharing God's word that's written for us. It doesn't change. It's forever settled in heaven. And uh, when the apostles write it down, I was listening to uh, a podcast today about news and how news is changing and how online news is different than printed news. And when you have something in print, um, the podcast guy saying, I love print newspapers because once it's printed, it can't change. <laughs> but if you look online and everybody now is apologizing for everything. <laughs> and when you apologize and you make it a stand and then you get then you get feedback and like, oh no, we're gonna lose money, we're gonna apologize, we're gonna pull our our advertising back, we're gonna pull our stance back and soften a little bit. And then you change what the original said and you make some controversial video out there and then you can just take it off. But but to have something in print is to have something that isn't changing. Mm -hmm. And so that's what God gave us. He didn't give us a video that can be edited. He didn't give us a website uh, to go to that can be like Wikipedia changed uh, by anyone and everyone. He gave us his word and it's inspired. It's breathed out by him and it's profitable, we're told. So Christ is and John, the apostle, writes 90 percent of what he writes is not in the other three gospels. And this prayer is not in the other three gospels, but this is a, a treasure for us to have as his people. And if you remember a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the, the one word of God keeping us is our security in Christ. Today, uh, because of our security in Christ, there's more that, that Christ wants for us than just to be secure in him. 
Because security is like, okay, you're sitting in your house and you're secure. Okay, so what do you do in your secure house? Well, I stay secure, okay? Uh, but there's more to life than staying safe or secure. And we may tell people, hey, stay safe out there, or stay safe on your trip or whatever. But there's more to life than staying safe. But what about doing something that's not safe? But it's actually what God wants us to do, like missions work or talking to someone who might hate us or uh, this is the work of Christians throughout, and we're reading the book of Acts. If we told Paul to stay safe, he like safe. <laughs> I'll see you guys. <laughs> I'm not going to be safe in the book of Acts. So there's more to life than being safe or secure. Um, so what is it that, that Christ wants more? Than, he wants us to know that we're secure in Christ. But as we're secure in Christ, there's there's more to it. And so we're going to like zoom in a little more on our not just security in Christ, but let's see uh, the words, uh, the, the primary word today is not security, because that's already been established. Um, as the Father keeps us, the Son keeps us, we're secure. He says, I don't ask for those only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. And here is the primary request of these last seven verses, that they may be all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Okay, so the purpose then for this prayer is God, God's glory. God's glory uh, for Christ is displayed on the cross. And then God's glory for the disciples of security in him and he's uh, being sanctified in him and being sent out by him to spread the word and now those who are believing the word christ is going to pray for us who are generations after the the disciples uh, we are all also equally secure equally made holy by the word that we saw in, in verse 17 but there's more that christ wants for us than just security he wants us to be unified so as a church um as families there's more that god wants for us in our church and our families than it is to be secure in christ security is one thing but that's our position and the father keeps us the son keeps us we enjoy the security we can't lose we call it eternal security we can't lose our salvation but as we are believers this process of sanctification, being sanctified, being made holy. We see that in verse 17, 18. And what's that process doing for us? It's not making us secure, that we already, we already are secure. That process uh, is working toward us being unified. Not us all doing the same thing or uniformity. That's different where we all dress the same way. We all talk the same way. We all have the same uh, hobbies. We all go to the same place on vacation. We all, oh, that's, that's uniformity. That's cultish. And we're not gonna, that's not, that's not Christianity. But what Christ here is praying for is unity. And the basis for the unity there in verse 20 is that we would know God. We'd know Christ through his word. Uh, the same word that the that Christ gave the apostles, the apostles wrote it down. We have it. We gather as God's people 2,000 years after the Bible is complete, and we are still studying the same word. And we're telling people, believe in Christ. 
And we're telling them why to believe in Christ, because there's security only in Christ. There's not security in the world. There's security in Christ. And those who are believing that they are in Christ alone, they're enjoying security and the, the sanctifying power of the word. But that process leads to a unity, a unity that Jesus describes it this way in verse 21, that they may all be one. All those who believe in the word passed down from Christ to the apostles written for us. All of us are believing the word of God now. We are enjoying and can enjoy and should enjoy not just security, but here it's unity. How, what does this unity look like? Verse 21, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. Now, how unified is the Father and the Son? We would have to say perfectly. When was the only time in history that the Father and the Son weren't unified? On the cross. And that was temporary. That was planned in the Old Testament. That was the Father forsaking the Son, the Son crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's becoming sin for us who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him so that he could bring us to the father and when that process on the cross was complete of christ paying we he he tells us it's finished paid in full and then he says father into your hands i commit my spirit so the unity is restored as the son lays down his life and that's the last thing he says father into your hands i commit my spirit so the unity of the Father and the Son. And now, Jesus has claimed unity of the Father and the Son before. If the, the secure passage of John 10, 27 and 29, that we're held secure in Christ and we're held secure by the Father. And then he says, I and my Father are one. And so he says it several times. And the claiming to be unified perfectly with the Father caused the Jewish people around him to pick up stones and, and want to stone him. They're like, oh, you can't be unified with the Father. Well, yes, he can because he's the son. And so the son and, and seeing the father and the son as unified, when you see the son, you're seeing the father. This is like, okay, this is how unity looks like. And now Christ is praying for that unity that the father and the son have enjoyed for eternity past, and they'll enjoy it for eternity future. This is, this is the unity that the son is praying for us to enjoy too. Like the only way that we are going to understand the father and the son and how unified they are is for us to be in them, for us to be in, in Christ. And how does the New Testament, how does Paul ex describe our position to the Ephesians? 38 times, I think he says, we're in Christ. We're in him. We're in him. This is our security as we're in Christ. So understanding that the father keeps us secure and he keeps us secure in the sun and the sun is praying that we will enjoy the unity that is ours in the father in the sun and this unity has a purpose in verse 21 not just like the security where okay we're secure and now we can just live how we want no this the security leads to sanctification this sanctification leads to unity and the unity is for a purpose. And there are purpose after purpose statements here in verses 21, 22, 23. And the purpose statements you'll see as you read um, 
English, it says that they may or so that. Okay, so you look for those purpose statements and Christ is praying. And then he says, okay, I want them to enjoy unity. But this unity is for a purpose and several purposes here. Let's look at verse 21, see if we can find the first one. They may also be in us. I'm in the middle of verse 21. So that the world may believe that you sent me. The world looks at Christians who are unified in the Father and in the Son. And the world's conclusion is, hmm, if those people, and Paul says this, those people who are not a people, no, I'm sorry, it's uh, Peter says this in 1 Peter 2. Those people who are not a people are now the people of God. They're magnifying, uh, presenting the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So who can put people together who are at odds? Let's say today in the United States, who can get Republicans and Democrats to be in the same room and enjoy being together? Answer, Christ. Who can get people who were uh, once ACLU uh, to join with conservative Bible-believing Christians in the same room and enjoying having a meal together? It's Christ. Who can get people who are at odds, who are, and every culture has people that, I mean, you look at India, they've got the caste system. Who can get all those castes to be one? It's Christ. Who can get all the tribes and all the different places of the world that have been at odds for, for uh, decades and generation after generation of animosity and fighting? Who can get those tribes to get along? Answer, Christ. And it's Christ and the unity that comes from our being in Christ, in the Father, together. We're all relying on the word. We're all relying on Christ for our salvation. And when people who shouldn't get along are starting to get along in unity, the son gets glory. And the son gets glory this way because the son's praying this, that they, that the world may believe that you sent me. That the world would believe that Jesus is the son of God sent from the father. That's a benefit. That's a purpose of Christians being unified. All right. That's, uh, we reflect the Godhead in the first part of verse 21. And then the second part of verse 21, that the, so the world can see what God is like as Christians are unified. And then the world can believe that Christ that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, in the second part of verse 21, but he's not done with the purposes. Verse 22, the glory that you've given me, I've given to them. Here's another purpose, that they may be one, even as we are one. The believers are being unified. How are we being unified? And we can tell the world this. They're saying, how are you guys so unified well the glory that the father gave the son the son has given to us who gets glory then for christians being unified the father and the son see we don't get glory for us working together or sanctifying ourselves or keeping ourselves secure all this is the work of the father and the son and then the son gets glory because we're telling the world how are you guys unified <laughs> because the the son is giving us glory 
the son is telling the world, how is he glorifying the father? Well, he's showing the world that God is love. How does the world know that God is love? Because he sent his only son. And he's showing the world that he, the son is not dying on the cross for himself or for his own sins. He's dying on the cross for sinners who, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He's showing, he's displaying the glory of the father by obeying what the father said. Now we, if we're living unified lives with other believers, have a chance to then tell the world why, where the unity comes from. It doesn't come from us. We don't get glory for this unity. This happens, can happen, it should happen in a Christian home, in anywhere Christians gather in a workplace, in a, in a Christian school, um, um, in wherever, and especially in a church where Christians are together and can enjoy unity. Uh, the purpose of that unity is so that we can tell the world that Christ gave us this glory, this unity. Verse 23, I in them and you and me. Still, how the how the Godhead works is just a mystery. <laughs> just okay, we're we're not going to understand this fully until we get to heaven. But for what we can understand, we'll, we'll stretch our brains as much as possible here to understand what does uh, Christ in us and the Father in Christ mean. I don't know, but it means per, it means perfect unity. <laughs> That's what I mean. Okay, uh, verse twenty three continues that they may become perfectly one perfectly one i don't know about you but i haven't ever been in a church that's perfect <laughs> that's enjoyed perfect unity we all have different opinions just in this room here alone we have a different opinions when it comes to changing the carpet or the walls or picking out curtains that we need on on the windows uh, artwork that's on the wall um everybody's got an opinion so is everybody's opinion the same? Well, no, it's not. I, we have a circle of chairs right here. And I got some opinions this morning when we came in that everybody's got a different way of setting up a room. But we don't have to. It's not uniformity that we're after. It is unity. And unity um, can be as close as possible to if we understand our position in Christ and that Christ is sanctifying us through his word and it's the word of God that's the most important thing and Christ's glory is the most important thing, that our opinion about a lot of other things isn't really that weighty. Now we feel like with um, the internet, social media, that everybody's got a megaphone and my opinion about every little thing about who's running for president and all these different policies that are going down in, in Congress and all the judges and everything that comes through at us through the news, uh, we've got to voice our opinion. And our opinion is so, so much, <laughs> so valuable. And it's causing a lot of disunity, uh, but it shouldn't be so with the church. There can be, and Christ is praying this way, that we would be perfectly or become perfectly one. Why does Christ want the church and the Christians in his family to be perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me. Doesn't this sound familiar? This is the second time he said it. Like us being unified is not about us and our unity. It's about how the outside world looks at us and says, 
Why are you guys not fighting about everything in the news? Why are you not fighting about the color of the carpet and the color of the walls and the curtains? And why is there such unity here? And we're saying, because Christ came. Christ came? What does Christ have to do with your unity? Well, Christ has made us one. We are secure in the Father and in the Son. And the Son is praying for us that we would become perfectly one. In the Father and the Son, that's our identity, that's our unity, that's all that's really important. And then we're telling the world, Christ has come. He not only sent me, okay, that the, the world may know that you, Father, sent the Son, but that you, Father, loved them, even as you loved me. This is fascinating. There's two purpose statements here for our unity to show the glory of the Father in sending Christ, but also the glory of the Father in loving sinners. Once we sing, once his enemy now seated at his table, what, and David shows this in the Old Testament when he calls Mephibosheth to come sit at his table, who was a rightful heir to the throne of King Saul, and he has a rightful heir and treats him as his own son. Why? Because he loves Jonathan. He loves, he loved Jonathan, his best friend, and said, I'm going to treat Jonathan's son uh, like I would treat uh, my, my own. And here it is that when we are in Christ, the world can see. What's it say in verse uh, 23? That the world can see that you, Father, have loved them, even as you loved me. Now, the world a couple times had the heavens open, and audibly you could hear the Father say, this is my beloved son. I'm well pleased with him. His baptism, transfiguration. I assume also... Uh, with creation responding after Christ paid for sins, the Father responds by tearing the veil of the temple, rising the dead, ra raising the dead, all those and the rocks splitting, all that nature responding, the Father's um, pleasure in the work of the Son. But we have clearly that the Father loves the Son perfectly, because this is what Father, a perfect Father does. He loves his Son. He loves his Son perfectly. And now we are recipients of the love of God. Why? Because we are in the sun. We're secure. We're, and we are enjoying um, the, the, the love of the Father because we are in Christ. This is remarkable. And we're enjoying unity. We're enjoying security. But this isn't just about us. This is about uh, that the world would know that the Father loved us, even as you loved me. So here is evangelism. We're telling the world, God so loves you that he gave his only begotten son. And the world says, I don't know if I want to <laughs> know that God. Well, that God, while you were yet a sinner, and it doesn't matter what your sin is, God the Father will forgive you. Not sure about the blasphemy of the spirit, exactly that. But if someone is curious, they probably haven't, or they're being drawn by the Father. Uh, they haven't blasphemed the spirit, uh, so they can't be forgiven. So 
all kinds of sin today. LGBTQ sin can be forgiven. Those who have had abortions, those who are committing abortions as doctors and nurses, they can be forgiven. Those who are the worst of murderers can be forgiven. Those who are the rapists, those who are the pedophiles, those who are, I mean, just the, the, the drug addicts, all the people in our world that we think they deserve to be locked up or they deserve to go to a death row or whatever. All the, all the types of sin that we think are just awful sin. The worst liars, the worst thieves, the worst people like Vladimir Putin and communist leaders who have killed many of their own people, they can be forgiven. Nebuchadnezzar was in that group. He was an awful leader. And as far as we can tell, he, he came to God. So this is, this is what we can expect as the son prays for us. That the world may know that you sent me. And the world may know that you have, Father has loved us even as he loved Christ. It is undeniable that the Father has loved the Son. It is undeniable that, this, the, that the Father loves sinners. And as we live in this unity with the Father and the Son, our hand is constantly out to the world saying, you can enjoy the same relationship with the Father and the Son. It's not an exclusive club and you're always gonna be outside, you're always gonna be looking in. The doors of this church are open, the doors of my home are open. I want you to enjoy the unity that is available, that you can observe. We just had fellowship lunch, uh, a fellowship time last Wednesday night and a fellowship lunch on Sunday and the unity that we enjoyed with people that weren't even part of our church. They were just here and we got to know them. They got to know us and we're like, we have Christ in common. <laughs> we're headed in the same direction. There was tremendous unity here on Sunday. Um, and when we have a car show in a week and a half, there should be an obvious unity that no matter if you're cooking hot dogs or talking to people or, or serving or parking cars, there's just a tremendous unity with all those who are Grace Bible Church people because, because we're in the Father, we're in the Son. And we tell people, you can be in the Father and in the Son too. This is only half of the message I was going to present last week in five minutes. So I'm going to stop here and I'll pick up here in verse uh, 24 next.